Good morning, Emmanuel. How many love Jesus today? Come on. It's an easy time to get excited about Jesus. It's a great day to get together and worship with the family from all of our locations. Hey, today, I want to celebrate something before I get into our message. You know, just a couple weekends ago, we gathered for our Miracle Offering Sunday, and we just asked the church simply to pray and asked him to help us have a miracle, take our bread and our fish, if you will, and see a miracle where the crowd would be fed. And there's some big, crazy goals and dreams to partner with local and international projects to help uh, rescue people that are in trafficking, for example, or for feeding people or uh, orphanages that we partner with, just getting the gospel out there. And so there's so many big things. In fact, our dreams are bigger than maybe, uh, maybe reality would say we could do, but through God, all things are possible. And uh, across all of our locations on Miracle Sunday, we had $274,854 come in. And uh, that just means more people touched, more people fed, more people experiencing the gospel. And of course, we've got a number of projects that are still ahead of us by the end of the year. But I'm just like blown away by just, we get excited about different things than the world gets excited about, right? We get excited about helping others, not just helping ourselves, but taking care of the world that is around us. Super, super, super grateful for you and super excited for what God is doing in our church. Hey, we're going right into our first weekend of a series we're calling Prepare Him Room. And uh, of course, it comes from a line and a song we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, but I want you to think about what's been already happening. Some of you started like preparing for Christmas in July. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you know who you are, right? We have a rule in our, in, at least I have a rule. I don't know if Jody obeys the rule all the time. But, you know, one holiday at a time, we say wait till after Thanksgiving. But there's a whole lot of going on, and marketing has come after people, and Black Friday, and Cyber Monday, and, and uh, the, the hecticness of, of trying to prepare for family gatherings, work parties, those kind of things. It's amazing to me how uh, the, the commercialization of this whole season has already kicked into gear. And uh, one of the things that I, I'm drawn to is anything that is rooted in ancient thought, things that transcend a decade, transcend a year, uh, transcend a century even. And, uh, and so those songs that are the backtrack or the, the background, uh, in the background of the story of Christmas and everything that we're doing, are typically Christmas hymns or Christmas songs. What's your favorite one? On the count of three, say your favorite song out loud. One, two, three. Uh, so it sounds kind of crazy because everybody's got a different one. But when we gather together and we get to sing those songs together, man, that's such a powerful uh, experience. One of the great songs is the classic Joy to the World. And it was written in 1719 by Isaac Watts, who was a minister. And he wrote it based on Psalm 98. But it's not about the very thing that we use it for at Christmas season. He actually wrote it about the return of Jesus. And it was about how Jesus was coming back. Did you know Jesus is coming back? So we don't just celebrate as a church that, that Jesus was born. That was an earthquake moment we're going to talk about in a few moments. This is like groundbreaking creation moment when Jesus comes and, and everything. But we, we're looking forward to his return. And there are just as many promises about his return as there were about him coming the first time. And when we think about our songs, I want you to think a little bit deeper about that. In fact, uh, when you think about joy to the world, what is he singing? What is, 
What are we singing into our, our story? Who's coming? Our P, Prince of Peace, our counselor, our Emmanuel, our healer. So we're joy to the world because God is coming to be with us. In fact, I've got the words up on the screen, but um, you don't have to sing it, but let's just say it. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart, what? Prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Now, it's hard not to sing it, isn't it? But I want you to think about the words that are embedded in that. Let every heart prepare him room. As we approach this season of Christmas, there's some very important truths hidden in the song that are rooted actually in the scriptures. And there are three things that I want you to think of out of this song today. It's not the point of my whole message, but it really leads there. The first thing is this. The heart is where the king hangs out. So it's, you might think of church or you might think of a certain cathedral or some really nostalgic place that's out with a nativity scene. But you need to know this, where the king chooses to hang, hang, chooses to hang out is in the heart, in your heart. It's talking about you. This is where the king is coming. Joy to the world means joy comes in here. And then secondly, if we are going to see the king and his promises, we truly must prepare for our guests. If we're actually going to see him, then we actually need to prepare for him. This Christmas season, if you're going to experience the truth of the gospel in your life or in your family, then you're going to have to do some work to prepare to receive that. If there's no room in the end, so to speak, because your life is too full and you have not prepared, you won't see the king. So we've got to prepare for our guests. And number three, joy comes to those who make room for Jesus. And I'm just going to tell you on the other side, if you do the work and you begin to prepare and you prepare your heart, you prepare your life, something powerful is possible. And I'm saying this knowing that there are many of us that we've had many revolutions around the sun. We're older. We've been through decades and we've been through life. And it can have the kind of cumulative effect of lowering our level of anticipation and excitement. We can go, we're just going through the motions. We're just going through what we've always done. I can only expect this kind of thing. And even in the area of hope, if you don't have hope, then you don't have faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I just believe that God wants to restore hope. One of the definitions for joy is it's like a tire that's being inflated, a deflated tire that gets some air in it. And there are some of us we need to have our tire reinflated. We need to have, some of us need to get rid of the spare tire, but we need to get our, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Ride with me on the metaphors this morning. The, the, the reality is that we need to have it come back. And you can have a comeback. You can have the joy of the Lord. You're not outside of his promises. You might have had it once and lost it, but Jesus doesn't give up on his kids. And there's some of us in here that we've never experienced the true reality of who Jesus is. And we look at these Christians that are kind of crazy about things. They're like, they're crazy. It's because we haven't experienced what they've experienced yet. But when you experience the true fullness of Jesus and who he is, something will inflate inside of you and remind you, I was born with a purpose. 
I have a future and a hope. There's a reason to get up in the morning. There's a reason to keep loving. There's a reason to keep going and caring for people. Can I get an amen, amen to that? Joy comes to those who make room for that, though. You have to make room for that. Now, listen to how the Bible encourages us to prepare. I'm going to look at through the lens of prophecy leading up to Jesus' return or his first coming. In Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah said, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Then Malachi chapter 3, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Now, this is a biblical pattern where there would be a proclamation about something that would clear things out so that something good could come. And the answer to that Old Testament promise of Isaiah 40 about one coming to prepare was found in the man John the Baptist who we find in Luke chapter 3, as John the Baptist prepared the way, just as Isaiah said he would. In verse 3, it says of Luke chapter 3, then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road before him, the valleys will be filled, the mountains and hills made level, the curves will be straightened, and a rough and the rough places made smooth, and then all the people will see the salvation sent from God. This is a powerful moment that I want you to camp out just for a moment with me. Because it says that there's somebody that's going to clear the way. This is prophetic visual language. Valleys lifted up. Mountains brought down. Roadways cleared out. How many are thankful for snow plows in the winter in Minnesota? You get those things out of the way so that you can drive right through it. Okay? And in reality, what the, the person that is to proclaim this was called a herald. In ancient times that... When a king or a dignitary or an emperor would come into an area, area there's somebody would be going ahead of that person and declaring the truth of God, declaring uh, maybe not just God, but maybe just natural. The king is coming. The pharaoh is coming. The emperor is coming. And they would declare it and they would say, make way. Prepare the way. And it was, it was both a, an announcement of joy and a warning. If your town isn't cleaned up, you might get wiped out. So you got to get things out of the way. Clean your, clean your stuff up. Take, throw the things underneath the bed when the guest is coming over. Making sure the stuff gets there. So they're make, make way because something good is coming behind it or something powerful is coming behind it. Preparation is a spiritual word. Biblically, repentance precedes renewal. When we have a thoughtful, uh, inward examination of our hearts, we can make room for what God wants to do. In a natural, we already do this when we have guests come over. I don't know how many of you had guests over recently. I know Jody and I did. and We had extended family come over, and, and that meant that we had more people come in than we had chairs and tables. 
So that meant that we had to get some other tables brought in and some uh, um, folding chairs, and, and we were moving the couches up against the wall. Everything had to be, we had to make room for those people to come over. But that wasn't enough because Jody really cares and she knows people, so she wants the whole house clean, right? So we've got to have the house clean, things cleaned up, including our, our bedroom. I'm like, Jody, years ago, I don't say this anymore, but years ago, I said, why do we have to clean our bedroom? Nobody's going there. She says, you don't understand. People check out our room when they come over to our house. You know who you are. You know who you are. Yeah. And so everything has to be cleaned up, taken care of, prepared, so that when the guest comes in, they're welcomed, they're cared for, they feel wanted in this space. To hear and to know Jesus requires making room, freeing up space to hear and experience who Jesus is now, not just who Jesus was. See, we're going to talk about who Jesus was and his birth during this month. It's an old story revisited. But did you know that Jesus is not a baby anymore? And that, that Jesus still shows up. And so you've got to prepare your own heart, your own life, your own family for Jesus to show up in a new and a fresh way this year. So how do we begin to prepare for Jesus? I want to give you three things very quickly today. The first is this. Make time for hearing his story. Make time for hearing his story. We've got to make time. That means that we've got to create spaces where we actually can focus in on him, to stop living off of old sound bites, to read the text freshly, to schedule time for us to do this. We're going to try to help you as a church. In fact, right now I'm going to give you permission, <laughs> as if you need it, to pull your phone out and, and look at the Emmanuel MN app. If you haven't already, you can download it from any of the, the stores, uh, online for app stores. But in, in the Emmanuel MN app, we've got, right now, we've got two different devotionals. The first one is an Advent devotional. It's a, a prepare him room Advent devotional. You can follow that each day as a way to visit and make room for your mind and your heart to pay attention to the story of, of Jesus and his birth. So we're providing that for you. Secondly, we want parents to do this in your house. Or do this with your kids. And so, uh, Pastor Shai, once you come over here, Pastor Shai is a part of our kids' team, what we call Central, providing curriculum for all of our locations. So uh, everybody in Elk River and Maple Grove and, and Lakeville and Spring Lake Park, Sharice, Pastor Sharice and Pastor Shai are the ones putting all the curriculum together and they're sending it out. And they put together a fabulous thing that's on the app, but I want you to share a little bit more the reason behind what we're doing. Yeah, so I am super pumped to share with you guys just some incredible resources that we have for you and your family to do together this Christmas season. So from December 1st all the way to the 25th, you and your family will have the opportunity to go through a Bible reading plan together. And this is just to prepare your house for the birth of Jesus Christ. So on the slide behind me, you're gonna see our Advent poster. Now the great thing about this poster is it's interactive. So on the back, you're gonna find daily scripture 
scriptures for you and your family to read together. You can mark it off in the box and then you and your kid can cut that off to make a paper Advent chain. Now this is a great reminder to continue to read these passages for the next 25 days. But we don't want the conversation or the fun to stop right there. And so that's why we have also created an Advent soap journal to go along with it. If you have an elementary age kid, they've been learning this Bible study tool called soap. And they could teach you a few things. They taught me a few things. But if you want more information on what soap is, you can find that in our journal. But parents, we want to encourage you do this with your kids because they want to hear your answers. They want to know what you learned from scripture, how you view God. Now that doesn't mean you have to have all the answers, but that means we just want you to be honest with your kid, grow with your kid. Now we want to create these opportunities for you to read the Bible, but we also want to create opportunities for you to have fun. And so that's why we've also included some activities within the journal for you and your family to do together. So whether that's making an ornament, baking a cake, or even playing a game, we hope that these resources will provide rich conversations of who Jesus is while also having fun. So you can access these on our Emmanuel app, on our website, on the QR code on the seatback or on the QR code on the screen. You're going to find not only our Advent resources, but also monthly parent resources that get updated to align with what your kid is learning in kids' ministry. So we are so excited. We hope that these resources are uh, put to good use in your home, and we hope you have fun doing it as well. Thank you, Sai. Wow. So I want you to consider making room outside of church for Jesus, making room in your home. Uh, and sometimes that's as a grandparent, you get to be the one. Sometimes that's as a neighbor. And the neighborhood kids are around. Maybe that's however it is. Make room. Think about it. We're going to give you tools, but it's on you to make room for Jesus to come in and to be present. In order to do that, might mean we need to cut out some distractions. If we're trying to connect with Jesus and we're trying to understand his story, then maybe we have to shut the TV off or put the phone down. Come on, somebody. That's a hard one, isn't it? I think they, the... The technology side of things has become an addiction. And what if we just put it aside and we paid attention to the people that are around us or paid attention to the scripture? I, I believe that whatever steals your attention needs to be removed. And if we can slow down and remove distractions, we can hear and see Jesus' story. I think that's more important than anything right now because I'm, I'm aware of the religious nature of how we go through things and the things we know, that we pass by furniture in our house every day. We, we, we kind of just go on autopilot, do the same things. Maybe we need to move some of the furniture around of our life, of our souls, so that we actually begin to notice things in a different way. And we need to notice Jesus coming into our house. Can I get an amen to that? And that means it's not as perfect as just church talk. It even includes things that are imperfect in our own stories. In particular, in Jesus' birth story, Joseph, Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, Joseph encountered something very different than maybe what he was anticipating. Here he thinks he's engaged to be married. He thinks he's going to have a wife. He's going to build a business. Everything's going to be fine. But that plan was interrupted when he was notified that 
his fiance was pregnant, but not by him. And it was by the Holy Spirit. And he begins to make some plans that maybe I'll quietly separate from her and, and not cause her shame, but I'm going to get out of the story. And Jesus is going to come into this story, and Joseph's meant to be a part of it. So God sends a, an angel to talk to Joseph. And then he says, like, wait, before you opt out on what I'm about to do, I want you to know I'm there for you even in a difficult, painful story. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, and you'll see in Matthew chapter 1 this very dialogue that takes place. Matthew's story and his vantage point is actually of Joseph. Other gospels look at it through Mary and look at it from the shepherd's standpoint, but he looks at it through Joseph's vantage point. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus... The Messiah was born, Matthew says. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill God, the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, this is what the prophet said. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So how do we begin to prepare for Jesus? We got to step in and make room, even in difficult circumstances. Think about this. Joseph is in a place where nothing is going right. And yet everything is about to go right. And I'm not saying everything's going to go right in a feel-good, selfish kind of way. But the Son of God is going to come into the world and all these ancient prophecies are going to be fulfilled. And he's thinking, I'm just going to quietly slip away from this moment because it doesn't feel good to me. It's a kind of a, a popping of his balloon, if you will, it's a, his, his optimism is evaporating, and he feels like nothing good, good could happen. So God sends him this angel, and the angel says a few things to him. He says, first of all, um, the Holy Spirit's in this, and you need to not be afraid. No matter what you're about to walk through, fear cannot be your leader. And I would just say, in this moment, many of you might identify with Joseph not from the standpoint that your fiance is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. But you might be encountering unforeseen circumstances that you, you would not have chosen. You've gotten into this space where you're like, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. And you might think, I just need to opt out, including opt out on God. Or you think perhaps that God didn't want to do anything with you, or God's mad at you. And I would say to you, no, the circumstance does not equal God not being interested. In fact, the opposite is true, because God comes close to the brokenhearted, that he's near to people that are in those 
painful, lonely situations. And Joseph, in fear, he would have run away. So the angel says to him, don't be in fear. Don't let fear be your leader. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, don't let fear be your leader. (laughs) No, he says, in a sense, all of this is for a purpose. And you're going to name this son. And this son is going to be about salvation for all people. And not only that, that the, the echoes of the Old Testament are brought to the forefront as he declares, as Isaiah, quoting from Isaiah, that the virgin would conceive a child and, and, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Here's what I want you to see. Right in that moment is the greatest news possible. That if you make room in your pain, then God can introduce to you Emmanuel, which means God is right in there with you in your pain. That he's not distant, he's up close. If in the middle of your heart, in the season that you're in, and the emotions that rage in your mind, even numbing, feeling distant, feeling lost, feeling alone, all of those things could be signs that maybe God's a million miles, miles away, or it could mean that he's actually right there with you. And if you make room for it, God might surprise you because he knows how to walk you through the valley of the shadow of death, as the psalmist said. You don't need to be afraid because he's with you. He's close to you. How do we begin to prepare for Jesus? Number two, search for the why in Jesus' story. Search for the why in Jesus' story. I'm going to ask you to, as you look at the, the stories and you go through the Advent journal, as you look at the scriptures, look for the why behind the story, not just the facts of the moment. You know, if you want to get to know someone, you ask them what their story is. And the more they talk, the more you get to know them. You feel closer to them. The more you know about them, the better you understand their actions. This week I, I, I went to Target and I was walking around. I stopped, bumped into a guy and, uh, and he, he, he goes, hey, do you go to Emmanuel? Well, I had an Emmanuel sweatshirt on. And uh, it was very obvious to me as he was talking that he didn't, he didn't know that I pastored at Emmanuel. He just knew I went to Emmanuel. In fact, he said, do you go, do you go to Emmanuel? I said, yeah, I go to Emmanuel. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, we let the conversation continue as we got to know each other a little bit more. He's, uh, I found out that he lived in Blaine, and I live in Blaine. And, and uh, we were both a part of the early st- stages of, uh, of our mayor, Tim Sanders' political journey. And when he became a, a state representative and then uh, became the mayor of our city. So we were both excited about that. And the more we talked, of course, the transition, he was a believer, goes to another church, and, and he was a part of a, of a business networking group where a, a member of our church is in his group, and that's why he recognized the Emmanuel thing. And, and so the more we talked, the more I heard his story, the more I understood him. This is what I want you to think about with Jesus. The more you really dig into him, the more you study, the more you listen, the more you you talk and you hear his story, the more you're going to understand the the why behind whatever it is that he does. 
If you only get the facts and you only get the front, the headline, the Twitter feed or the X feed, whatever it's called now, if you only get that, you're missing the bigger story. And I would say this to you, church. We've got to get to know people more than the surface. We've got to listen to their stories, not just tell them ours. We need to listen in and lean in. Don't you like to be around somebody that is interested in your story? Is they share and you're not bothered by it and you're not looking at your watch? Well, I think that's the way it is with Jesus. What if we gave him the time and we leaned into his wise? Because I'll tell you what, you'll discover why Jesus came to earth. He really does identify with every kind of experience and people. In Hebrews chapter four, it says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Here's the thing. Jesus didn't just come to be born and then to die. Jesus came to experience what we experience, which means he's interested in real life. He gets rejection. He understands pain. He understands family fights. I know none of you ever had a family fight. He understands the awkwardness and the loss of people and loved ones in your story. He understands the depth of what we experience. So Jesus didn't just come to be born and die and raise again. He came to experience all of our life. Why is that important to know? It's important to know because he... He's, he's interested in me and my story right now. He's interested in what you're going through right now. Not just 2,000 years ago, but he's absolutely interested in you. It affects how you view him and how you experience him. He cares for the hurting and the lonely. And he wants to come our way. It's as if we're at the bottom of the stairs and he's at the top. And he walks down the stairs to us because he's interested in you and me. Can I get an amen to that? One of the things that I love to do even at this time of year is look at Jesus later on in life. Who did this boy, little baby boy, grow up to become? And what was he about? I'll tell you, in Matthew chapter 9, it says that Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, I, I read a text like that and I, I'm moved because I recognize that Jesus saw beyond all the political fights and, and sideism where people are fighting that side or this side or that side or that group of this people. He had a way of pulling back and noticing while everybody's fighting with everybody, there's hurting people around. Well, everybody wants to decide if they're a, a Viking or a Packer fan. <laughs> Some of you don't have to decide. I know that's already been decided in your soul. But while all the debates are going on about politics and are you a Republican or a Democrat and do you agree with this or do you disagree with that? And while everybody's doing all that, did you know that your next door neighbor might be hurting? Did you know that the people around you might? And Jesus, is, Jesus cares about that. And it says that he was moved with compassion. 
Compassion is not a feeling. It's actually an action. He actually did something about what he saw as he cared for people. In that text there, it says he traveled through towns and villages. That means he went into neighborhoods, teaching and announcing good news about the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and illness. I was reading this, and I'm like, you might be wondering, why are we talking about this in, in, a, in a series called Prepare Him Room? Because I really felt like while I was praying this week that the Lord dropped in my heart that, that if we prepared room, he would do something new in our church. That instead of just going through the regular rhythm ritual that we do every single December, which we, there's still elements of that. I can't wait for the preschoolers to sing and, and all that and the paparazzi that shows up at the front with their phones. and All that's going to happen. But if we prepare room and our expectation is such that Jesus would walk in, don't you think he'll walk through this town and he'll heal every kind of disease? That he'll touch every kind of a, a, a weakness and pain? That he'll provide comfort and care and compassion to the lonely? Don't you think that he'll meet with us in a different way? As a matter of fact, at the end of the service today, I, I, I want us on each of our locations, I want us when we do our normal song at the end, and I've done and prayed and everything, and uh, I, I want, I want our, our front, our altars in the back of the balcony in Spring Lake Park to have prayer teams available and just go, what if we made room for God to heal people today? What, what if we made room for, for God to touch a, a couple that's really experiencing difficulty in their marriage? Or, or what, if, what if we made room for the one that's just lost a loved one this year and they're in the valley of grief and they just need somebody to put a hand on their shoulder and pray for them? What if we made room? Don't you think Jesus would want to show up? Or are we just going to kind of run into church, get the 10-second the sound bite, walk out, and we did our time? <laughs> Are we here to experience everything that Jesus has, to prepare room for Jesus the healer to show up? Come on, somebody. Why not? What if he did? And there's so many stories in this room that I don't even ha have the ability to reflect your personal pain or the uniqueness of your circumstance. I do know this, that Jesus knows every one of you. He knows every hair on your head, no matter how few or many there are. He knows you, and he cares about it. How do we begin to prepare for Jesus? Number three, and I'm done. Expect to meet Jesus. Expect to meet Jesus. Expectations control so much of what we do. Low expectations equal low pursuit of anything. Our time, our sacrifice, our values, if we have low expectations, we don't even try. But if we have high expectations, man, we're ready for it. We're ready to go. I had to find a way to slip in my favorite football team this morning. At the beginning of the year, my sons and I and the Martin boys went to the big house to see Michigan play football. And we went out of our way, because Michigan football is a thing in Ann Arbor, Michigan, the big house, 110,000 people there. It's a big deal. But in the weeks leading up to it, we were so excited could not wait to go. Super excited to get the right t-shirt, jerseys, and, and be there. It's the beginning of the season, and our expectation drove our behavior because we couldn't wait. And then we got to the stadium. We were walking in, and there's 100, 
thousand people all coming to the same spot, shoulder to shoulder, and everybody's excited. And you hear go blue everywhere, and and and, and it was super exciting. When, when when we all had the same expectation, so something powerful was about to happen. Because we get into the stadium, they won the game, and then they're going to the playoff. They're the number one team in the nation right now, first time in 25 years. So I had to fit that into my message, right? But here's my point. Here's my point. My point is, when you have an expectation for something and you go for it, it's even better when you get there. But if you're just waiting for something good to happen and you're staying at home and you don't want to go anywhere with it, you're kind of held back, then you're going to miss it. And this year, there's something way better than Ann Arbor, Michigan in the big house. His name is Jesus. And Jesus can step into your house and step into your life, and step into your story. He, he can whisper a, a comeback to you. He can reinflate a tire that's lost its get up and go. The Bible is full of ifs and thens. In 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. I just think, what if? What if we freshly looked at the true gospel story of Jesus' birth and it ignited something in us altogether? What if it happened in our homes and we're thinking about it and then we got to church? And what if we began to worship in Jesus and we've been praying together and there's something going on because Jesus is a part of our Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. What if we shook off the old out-of-date connection that we had with Jesus and we said this year, Lord, whatever you want, I want a fresh touch of you. As a church, what if we leaned in and, and prayed our guts out for the world around us and prayed for the hurting, believed for the prisoners to be set free? What could happen if we just made room. Would you stand up with me today? I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come right now. Just get in spots. Balcony, we have prayer stations in the balcony in Spring Lake Park and Maple Grove. and We've got prayer teams along the front. I just encourage you right now to raise your faith. What if, we're just going to make room today, what if Jesus met us right here. What if he did this unexpected? And at the minimum for our heart, if the king is going to come to our heart and take residence in our heart, what if we made room in our hearts? And by the way, let's believe for God to do that over the next few weeks. Amen. Leading all the way up to Christmas. What if you're, that, that brother or the sister or the son or the daughter that's away from Jesus, what if God did a turnaround in their story? Is your expectation there, or have you lowered your expectations? And I just have to say, Lord, raise our expectations. What can you do week after week? We're going to continue in the series, uh, Prepare Him Room, and we've got a guest speaker, Susie Larson, coming next week, and she's going to, she actually wrote a devotional called Prepare Him Room, bestseller and all of that. She'll do a lot better than I did on that subject. But I'll just tell you, we're going to believe God to keep moving in our church, moving 
Let's not lower our expectations, let's raise them. And let's make room for God to do something new. In fact, if you're trusting in God for that, just lift up your hands to heaven right now. We're just looking to you, Jesus. We're just looking to you. We wanna, we want something fresh and new. And if we gotta repent of things that have been in the way, things that have consumed our time and our attention, then Lord, we choose to put those things aside, Lord, so that we can make room for you. And Lord, if that just means, Lord, having faith and hope again, and Lord, some people here today are, are like Joseph. They need an angel to speak to them. Do not be afraid. There's great joy coming. And I pray, God, that, that you would whisper that into our souls, that, that we're not alone, that there's, there's a story, there's a God who is Emmanuel, who comes in and steps in and walks through it. Lord, and, and you're going to heal the sick, heal them completely. And if, and Lord, there's a gap between now and complete healing, I pray there would be no gap between us and you. You would be with us in the valley. You would be with us as we walk through the shadow. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that the anointing of heaven would be upon your church and we would truly experience everything that you have to offer for us. Let this be the best Christmas season ever in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out EmmanuelCC.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into the community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.